It takes more than updating your Linux kernel and breaking production in the process to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 234. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software developers of all operating system preferences. <laughs> I don't understand that thing about updating the kernel and breaking production because it should only be better if you make the number go up, right? That's true. Yeah, maybe they accidentally made the number go down. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. It was a down date. <laughs> you want me to thank our wonderful patrons? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Thank you too. Oladapo Fadie, Kiaren Swainson, Alexander, Microconfig.io, Nick Hathaway, Travis Sanders, Dennis Bogdanov, Braden Keynes, Stephen Armand Lee, John Grant, Vinlock, the Agile Ventures Charity, Nick Cantar, and Philip John Basile. They're the super ultra mega platinum level supporters <laughs> who get shouted out every single episode. Yes. And thank you to everyone else who has also supported the show. You can do that by going to softskills.audio and click support us on Patreon. And any dollar amount, once it is billed by Patreon, will get you access to our Slack thing, Slack <laughs> unit. Slack Slack battalion. Slack. What, what should the collective name for? So soft skillets, right. I think, was suggested as the collected, yes. collective. But that's not a collective noun. That's just like the plural form. Right. So you're talking like a gaggle of geese or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like a murder of soft skillets or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No idea. I'll look at that. I think about every three months I look at that Wikipedia page of all of the list of yes. collective noun words. It's amazing. It's good. I'm just like, who approves these things? <laughs> There's a, a a detailed and complicated submission process with a committee. <laughs> Gosh. It's got to go through RFCs. and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, should we get into our first question? Yeah, let's do it. This one comes from a listener named Aaron, who says, How can I stay at a job for a long period of time? I'm on my second job after graduating, and as I'm approaching my first year at this company, I'm already thinking of moving somewhere else. A similar thing happened at my previous job where I stayed for around 15 months. I feel that by switching companies so often, I'm hurting both my personal development and my future employability. At the same time, the easiest way to get a better role or a raise is to switch jobs. What should I do? Have I just not been lucky enough to find a company that offers better career progression, which would give me a reason to stay? Is the problem with me? How do you deal with this in your own careers? How about when you're making hiring decisions? Are you wary of hiring frequent job switchers? Great podcast, by the way. Keep it up. Great question. Right back at you. Yeah. How can I stay at a job for a long period of time? This has a trivial and dumb answer, which is just don't quit yeah like then, <laughs> do nothing <laughs> don't quit and don't get fired right and you did it and you <laughs> start start a timer though and i guess you have to define long time first and then don't quit until that timer reads zero yeah have you have you ever heard of the monty hall problem i have and every time i hear of it i have to like re-remember what it is and then still not understand it okay so i it's i, I don't yeah, either hit me i also like you had just totally broken intuition for this problem but i'll just briefly recap the problem because i think it applies here in a kind of a funny way uh and i'll leave it up to the listener to figure out why it works but before i tell you i just want you to know that i had to write a python simulation of the money hall problem before i would actually believe <laughs> believe that it was right <laughs> okay the problem goes like this you're on a game show hosted by a guy named monty hall you're presented with three doors behind one door is a valuable prize behind the other two doors are a goat if i recall <laughs> And the goat is considered not valuable in this scenario, which that's a little goatist. That but, seems, you know. I mean, yeah, that seems unrealistic. How much <laughs> yeah. does a goat cost? I mean, they, yeah, they're not free. 
I think it was like a new car was behind the third door. Anyway, oh, so okay. you don't know which one is is where, but you make a choice. You make a guess and you say, I don't know, door number two, for example. Well, once you pick a door, the host will reveal one of the remaining goats. So you either picked a goat or you picked a car and the host will reveal the other goat. And, and so now you know that one of these doors has a goat. And the question is, should you change your answer? And the answer to that question is, yes, you should change your answer to the other now not yet opened door. And statistically, you have a better chance. And I won't explain why that is, but I think that applies to picking jobs right out of college. So you pick a job. There are hundreds of companies out there that you could work for. You pick one and you find out that it's crap. (laughs) It's a goat. So now there's only 99 left. So your odds of picking a good one have improved. It's instead of one in a hundred, it's one in ninety. Hang on, though the, the the Monty Hall problem is, you pick one and you don't know if it's good or not. You just know one of the other ones is crap, yeah. Right? So it's a slight variation on the Monty Hall problem. Okay. The point is, you now have more information. So whereas originally yeah. you had a one out of n chance of picking, like let's say there's only one good company, <laughs> which is also kind of silly, but whatever. Now you have a one over n minus one, which is a better ratio, better odds. Mm-hmm. So you're saying you're you're better off switching because. If you know the company you work at isn't great, you've like eliminated that not great company from the pool that you're going to pick from. Yes. And and never mind the fact that a hundred more companies have been founded in the time since you started at your first company. Just yeah. To, just ignore that. And that grade is like so relative for who you are and what role you have and what team you're on and who your manager is. And Yeah. Ignore all of um, that. <laughs> I've got some pressing information, which is that a goat can cost anywhere from twenty dollars to a thousand dollars that's pretty good so you could be doing okay even if you do get the goat (laughs) or if you just really want maybe you want a goat you're like car why would i want a car when i could have this companion (laughs) yeah (laughs) companion a goat companion that also mows your lawn this car will not let me snuggle it (laughs) i don't know if goats are snugglers either though i don't know much about them okay so back on track I think the pattern that this question asker is describing is relatively common, where earlier in their careers, folks will have shorter stints at jobs. Yeah. It seems less common to do that deliberately as you get more experience. Some people just do it because, I mean, if your company goes under or you get laid off or something, then you don't really have a choice to stay longer at that job. But the pattern I've I've seen, that, I don't know, that seems most common feels like this, where you start off. You work somewhere for a while. You don't know anything. You kind of get your feet under you, and then you go somewhere else, and kind of uh, eventually you settle down for a longer period of time. Yeah, and I don't know why this is. I have some theories, but it's because of the money hall it, problem, just... obviously. Well, yeah, the money. That's true. You already explained it. <laughs> I, I think it's partially because it's really hard to shake the junior developer label once you have it, like at us at the company. Yeah, like if you come in knowing nothing and you you stay there for. 18 months or 15 months or whatever, you know way more than nothing, but um, you have spent a lot of time there knowing nothing and asking questions and learning stuff. And I, I think it's hard for people to like treat that person like they would if they had hired them with that current level of experience. So you're saying that people's impression of you changes more slowly than your actual skills. I think so. I think when you're, when you're first starting out, it can. Yeah, yeah I agree. I never changed my impression about anyone, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, so by, by definition. First, first impressions. Only impressions, more yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's some incentives there. The, the pay thing is real, too. Oh, yeah. It's very 
unlikely that you'll get as much of a raise at the beginning of your career. I think that flattens out towards towards the as your career goes on, though. Yeah, I don't know. How would Shrinkling, you know? Though. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I haven't. I don't feel like I've hit like the 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 place where I will stay the rest of my career yet. So okay. maybe it doesn't. I don't know. By I mean the place I'll stay, not the job that I will stay at, but like the like compensation level. Like yeah. I will be at this level, and if I switch jobs, it'll be roughly around the same level. It won't be like a giant fatty raise. It hasn't happened yet. I definitely have noticed in my career that the percent increase in pay when I leave one company and go to another has gone down over the years. Yeah. And, and actually, the older I get, or I should say the more experienced I get, the more complicated the job situation becomes. And it's not even always an apples to apples. Like, you might decide to go work for equity more. Yeah. Or like benefits or right. I don't know. vacation. Yeah. So it, it's like it's not always a, a clear one number to the next. Yeah. That said, if you're worried about it hurting your personal development and future employability, we've talked about this before. There's lots of costs of switching, but one of the costs of switching is you don't ever see the long term consequences of your decisions and kind of live through them and, and work them out. If you only stay somewhere twelve months and then just bail, you don't get to see like the arc of a project after four years, you know, and kind of how decisions you made earlier bite you or help you or right. or kind of how long-term strategy can affect the things that you will do day to day and stuff like that. Like there is, there's kind of like a, a depth related to that specific company and problem you're working on that you will miss out on if you don't stick around for that. So I guess you have to ask yourself the question, is that knowledge worth the $10,000 a year raise you got by switching? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a, a better way to put that question if you had the choice and someone said, would you pay me $10,000 a year for the next four years and I will teach you all of this knowledge right now, would you do that? Yeah. What does the Monty Hall problem say? It says, <laughs> I say yes first and right. then later I say no. Right. After you I see the goat. I understand it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so I guess the, 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 the question isn't like, should I switch jobs or not? It's more like, it seems like the question behind this is like, how do you find success without switching jobs i guess and i think that takes a very special company yeah that's true well yeah the answer could be you cannot at this company right <laughs> the people i've seen that have stayed in jobs a long time or, or not not jobs that's the wrong way to say it that have worked at the same company for a long time have changed things up quite a bit either the company has grown a lot and so there's room to move around or the company is just large and there's room to move around but i haven't seen anybody that's just like on year 19 of being on this same project in the same yeah. role. I'm sure it yeah. exists, but that doesn't seem very common to me. Yeah, very, very uncommon. There's a person I work with who's been at the company for 25 years, I think. And and they've done wildly different things over that time period. But they're they're kind of like open to trying new things within the same company because they like some things about working for that company. And you happen to work at a pretty big, I'd say moderately big company. It is the biggest company okay. <laughs> by number of employees. That is true. So one could say there's a few options in there. There are a few options. Yeah. There's also, uh, it, there's also like lateral movement versus upward movement. And um, some people are really pumped about kind of climbing the ladder and advancing their title and, and stuff. And you have some control over that, but some is very context dependent. I've found that 
you have a lot more control over lateral movement where you're saying, I'm, I don't want a promotion. I just want to work on this other team or on this other problem or something. Hmm. More, more control. What do you mean? Like you can say, I want a promotion. And then the answer is often like, great, do these things. And in like two years, we will see if you did it. Yeah. And then the answer could be like, sorry, you didn't do those things as well as this other person who took the slot. Right. But if you, I, I think it's easier to say, hey, I'm really interested in working on this other team at this company that ha- that that does this kind of work and, and we can like swap that around. I think that's easier to pull off. Yeah, I agree. Because you're not fighting for scarce resources as much. You can like position yourself for it. You can like go buddy up with that team if you want to or... And the company has incentives to make this happen because presumably if they say no, some percentage of people are going to say, okay, I'll, I'll quit and go work somewhere else. Right. And they would rather kind of keep that company knowledge that you have in-house already. So let's let's get back to the part of the question where Aaron says, is this going to be harmful to my future employability? I would say no. I think it's actually more common than not. I think what would be harmful to your future employability is if you stayed at your first job for like 10 years. Yeah. You think that'd be harmful? I think so. I think it'd be more harmful to stay at your first job for 10 years than it would be to have, let's say, like four companies you've worked for in 10 years. Why? It, it, I mean, it depends a little on the company, but the problem with staying at your first job out of college for 10 years is that you become really good at that company. And I think other employers are leery of that. And they're, they're like, well, you've been successful at this company, but all that, you know, a big portion of the knowledge you've acquired is not relevant to my company. Mm, like you have a smaller pool of, of transferable knowledge, maybe. Exactly, exactly. So I'm not saying it's a huge risk, but it is a risk. I've seen it so rarely that I would be interested in talking to that person. Right. <laughs> if if they had one job for 10 years on their resume and then they were looking for their second job, I'd feel like, I don't know, that, that'd be kind of unique. The rarity of that person, I think, is, is part of the problem because it's like someone's going to look at your resume and go, this is weird, <laughs> you know, and then you have something to explain. Yeah. I mean... If you're at the same company for 10 years, probably you will have at least one title change. Yeah. If you're at the same company, if you if you join as a junior developer and 10 years later you quit as a junior developer, then yeah, that would probably look kind of right, right. <laughs> kind of bad. But yeah. I think I think you could say like if I moved from junior to mid-level or senior or something over this time period at the same company, you could sort of argue that you are learning different skills and applying them even if you're yeah. still working within the same framework of the company yeah i absolutely think you could and and it's not all bad and i'm i'm just saying that i think you'll have some explaining to do in the same way that if you changed jobs every year for 10 years you would have some explaining to do because both of these are weird yeah it's just just not as normal or not as not as common right right you're gonna raise eyebrows and but i will say from a strictly financial perspective in the u.s if you're just starting out it actually makes a lot of sense to change jobs every one to two years for the first few years, I think. Yeah. Very common. Yeah, that's that's been what I've seen as well. And it's what I did, so it must be right. Exactly. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Have I just been not lucky enough to find a company that offers better career progression? I think it would have to be a pretty unique combination of person and company to go from fresh, new worker, first job to like very clear understanding of how to progress their career. Like the company has to have a lot of stuff going on right for that to happen. And the person has to have a lot of knowledge that they might not have just right. because they're new in the field. So I don't think that's, I don't know. I, I don't think that's weird. 
how did you deal with in your own careers? Yeah, the same, basically the same thing you did. I stayed at my first job for, I don't know, a couple of years, next job for a couple of years. So it seems common because that's what I did. Yeah, <laughs> it seems so familiar. I don't know why. Yep. Almost, almost like it was the right decision for you to make. That's right. <laughs> I still remember <laughs> how I fretted so bad about leaving that first job. I had been there for 14 months. Mm-hmm. And I was just so nervous. I felt like I was stabbing my coworkers in the back. And, you know, it was just this terrible treachery. But in reality, they were fine. And they didn't think twice about it. And yeah, I also remember getting a 20% raise to switch. And I was like, how am I possibly going to spend all this money? So much money. <laughs> it turns out. It wasn't a lot of money. <laughs> well, it, you can always find a way to spend yeah, it. It's very easy to find a way to spend money. I just thought, oh my gosh, this this feels like I'm robbing this new company because they're paying me so much. But this was 2004. It wasn't a lot of money. Even then, I was underpaid. And I think what was happening was that the new company brought me up to like slightly below average instead of very below average. (laughs) (laughs) They got to feel real good about themselves. Oh, they did. They did. I remember the hiring manager actually called my home on my landline because I didn't have a cell phone. And my wife answered the phone. And he told her, hey, we're going to make an offer to your husband. <laughs> and she was like, oh, great. And, and he said, I think he's going to be very happy with the offer. <laughs> <laughs> and she called me and told me that. And I was like, that's we- kind of creepy and weird. Then I saw the offer and I was very happy. He was right. <laughs> nice. So I got I to say, if, if it's good to change your job after a year or two, then is it better to even reduce that time? Like, why not push it to six months? Or why not go to the absolute minimum, like two weeks notice on day one? Just <laughs> Yeah, you're you're there to like pinch hit, I guess. I don't know. So the thing you talked about could be called freelancing. Yeah, true. <laughs> and that is a thing I've seen with freelancers where if things are going well and you have constant streams of work coming in, the fact that you do one job for uh, I don't know, three months and then you can do another job means that you can kind of reset pay expectations at that next job or at that next contract. And some people increase their rates by quite a bit and then end up making a lot more money. Yeah. But the real reason is that, yeah, that would be a red flag. I feel like six months or less is is going to raise questions, even if it's early in the career. Yeah, I think so. For whatever reason, it feels arbitrary, but I agree. Yeah. Yeah, that feels short enough that I'd be like, what did you do wrong to right. <laughs> not stay longer? And even even later on in the career, it would I, mean, I guess it'd probably raise more questions later on in the career. But yeah, early, early on, I think you get more of a pass for having shorter stints at jobs. And later yep. on, you get less of a pass. Absolutely. All right. Have we answered the question? Yes. Yes, we have. Do you want to read your... No, wait. No. I read our next question. Do it. Okay. This is from El Matador de Juniors. That's my gringo Spanish accent. Good work. Is firing the new counter offer? A junior dev on my team confronted us with an offer he got from another company. He is already paid at the limit of his range. His upcoming performance review is not great, not horrible. The amount offered to him would put him in our lower senior range, and there's no justification for that at all. He made it clear he is in a complicated financial situation, bank account emptied and credit cards maxed out, etc. I don't see a path to him getting close to the salary he got offered in the next year or even longer. We are not a company that fires people if they do not grow at a certain rate, but given his situation, he is probably not going to stick around for long. He also made it clear he would like to stay if not for the salary, but now I'm thinking it might be best for the company to fire him, even for him. 
Is that cruel? Which other options am I missing? Thanks for all the advice. It's both entertaining and very helpful. Best from Colombia. Wow. Huh. Very interesting question. So should I, out of compassion for this employee, should I fire him? So why why would it be out of compassion? What possible good could that do? I think it's because there's severance involved. It would be my guess. Yeah. I guess it could also be like clarifying that you're not going to get a matching offer. Like that's a pretty emphatic no. <laughs> yeah, it seems like an <laughs> expensive way to clarify that. So yeah. Not only are we not going to match this offer, but you're fired. Yeah. Just to show you how clear it is. Yeah, <laughs> it's so clear. Do you remember the episode of The Office where someone gets someone quits someone says i quit Mm -hmm. and michael the manager says you can't quit you're fired yep and then later he's on the phone with his his manager and she says do you realize we have to pay them severance now (laughs) yeah (laughs) and he blames it on dwight it was dwight's idea yeah (laughs) i was thinking about that it's been a while since we've referenced an office episode but truly it is the most universal work of culture related to soft skills questions yes I guess if you can say, hey, we're going to, we can't match you that offer, match that offer with you. And do you for sure have it? And we're fine paying severance. Then I guess in a way that wouldn't be cruel. It could go really wrong though. Like what if the counter offer falls through? Yeah. What if there's like a timeline on it that is extended? I, I feel like firing them to give them severance would be a thing I would do for a valued and beloved employee who has been there for many years as a way to say thank you, not for a junior developer who's done not great, not horrible. And and I, yeah, that just doesn't feel like... I think it makes more sense to me to just say, hey, we can't match it. Like, good luck. Yeah, do, it, do what you want. Yeah, it sounds like you're happy to have them there. You won't be crushed if they leave. So why why force anything? Yeah. Why not just let them make the decision? It would be weird to make the decision for them. I think there's one point in this story that makes things a little bit more complicated, which is the complicated financial situation. It says he got his bank account yeah. emptied and credit cards maxed out, which tells me that this person needs a continuous income stream. Yeah. Anything that would jeopardize that would not be compassion. <laughs> it would be yeah. potentially very harmful. Yeah. Again, if everything goes well, you could say, uh, well, it'd, it'd be nicer for them if we gave them severance because it would be like this little bump and then they'd start their new job and then and, and then they'd be in a slightly better off position. I, I just, I don't know why. I don't think that feels like the right thing to do. Yeah, I, I agree. And I don't know why either, but I will say that when someone approaches you with a offer and you're their manager, a few words can go a long way just to say, you should take that offer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I think that that will cause them to be like, oh, okay, <laughs> message is clear. I'm going to go. And you don't even have to say you're fired. Yeah. But I'm not totally sure that's the right thing to do here either because this is a person who was not on the road to getting fired, you know? But if- Wait, telling them to take the offer well, is not the right thing to no, do? No, no, sorry. Offering to fire them. <laughs> yeah. This is not a person who was on the road to getting fired. So, I mean, saying take the offer, great. Like, if you tell them, if I were you in your shoes, I would take the offer, fine. But then, on the other hand, the other option is, let's fire them so they get severance. But I don't like that option because now you, you've kind of breached your own policy where you've said, we don't fire people who aren't moving to the next level unless they have a counteroffer. Like, I don't know. It's like a weird, weird policy. Yeah, I, I feel like 
I feel kind of heartless saying this, but I don't know that it's your company's problem that his bank accounts are emptied and credit card credits are maxed out. Like that's a sucky situation to be in. And I could see how if there was like exceptional performance, you could talk about like a spot bonus or if they were on the brink of a raise or something that might play into account. But if they're just like fine and they would like more money, it seems like they have done the correct thing, which is go get an offer for more money. Like that's, if that's what they need, then then they have made the right decision for them. Yeah. It also feels like if you make this exception for this person by by giving them severance when they're not really a top performer, it's, it it sets kind of a weird precedent where I'm. Mean, do you do this for everybody now that quits? Like say say a top performer quits, do you fire them? Yeah. Say someone who's like a medium performer but slightly better at their job than this person quits. Do you do you fire them and give them severance? Is this like um and, and I assume that money is not infinite and there's some amount of someone will say no at some time. Like I would want to save this for when it felt really deserved instead of kind of play this card and try and and maybe set this precedent that I have to fight with later on. Yeah, and you and I think the probably the same side of the same coin you're talking about there's a weird incentive system that you're creating where people learn that they can quit by getting a better offer making more money and a bonus from their previous company <laughs> as they leave yeah that's not a precedent you probably want yeah you'd like to stay not for the salary i mean it sounds like he has a hard decision to make then that's and that's his decision to make if if he truly needs the money more like that's a thing people do sometimes where they sell out and make more money and maybe are slightly less happy, but better for them in the long term, or that's what they think. Or people often make the other decision too, where they sacrifice some financial windfall in order to do something that they're happier doing. Absolutely. You could give him, okay, so he's got one option, which is go work somewhere else and make more money. You could give him another option, which is like, go work somewhere else that will make you even happier and make you even less money. Like (laughs) start a skateboard shop or something. I don't know, go be a, an artisanal pot spinner, you know? Yeah. Maybe that'll clarify his uh, his decision. Great job. That'll really clear things up. <laughs> Thank you. That will really solve this problem. <laughs> yeah, I think, Dave, you are the smartest where I, if I were this person's manager, I would say, it sounds like a great offer for you. I don't think we're going to be able to match it. We'll be happy if you stay, but we're, we won't be able to match it. Yeah, that's probably what I would say. I mean, that's what you have to say. That's just, that's the truth. It's the truth. <laughs> yeah. But what you're not going to do is take this weird off the beaten path suggestion of saying, oh, by the way, you're fired. Here's three months of severance. Don't let the door hit your butt on the way out. Like, it's, it's just weird. Yeah. Oh, there, there's one other aspect to consider here. Okay. It sounds like in this case, they already have an offer. So this might, I'm talking about a situation where they need to leave. They need to make more. They know that the market will pay them more. And you want to fire them to give them severance for some period of time while they find another job, that, but they're confident they can find one. It's not exactly the situation here, but I wanted to point out this one risk, and that is the gap in employment changes the dynamic a little bit. Here's how. When your next employer, prospective employer, is talking to you, you don't currently have a job. And that creates two questions. The first one is, why did you leave your current, your previous company without having a job lined up? Mm-hmm. And the second one is, can I call your previous employer to do employment verification and get a reference? That question might be hard to answer if you've been fired and given severance, because you're probably not eligible for rehire at that previous company. And so that might come back as a negative mark on your new employment. Hmm. I didn't even think about that. 
So that'd be if there's some company policy that says we can't rehire people that we have fired. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the third aspect is you might not be able to come back to this company in the future. Say you get some more experience under your belt, you want to go back, maybe you can't. Yeah. I mean, this sounds like a sucky situation in that this person's under some financial pressure, but it, it does feel pretty clear what you should do. Yeah, I agree. And leave it up to him to make the decision. That's what he gets to do. All right. Have we answered this question? I think so. Where can people go if they want to ask their own questions? Go to softskills.audio, click ask a question, and then we will answer it. You can also, uh, some people still direct message us on Twitter with questions. That's a viable option as well. We are softskillseng on Twitter. You can follow us there if you want to see announcements about the show you're already listening to, I guess. Right. Sometimes see other stuff, but most of the time really just episode announcements. Yep. It's a really strong pitch. I'm a part-time social media manager as well. <laughs> uh, space social media right, manager. Right, right. Yeah. Where the rules are reversed and you want fewer followers right. instead of more. <laughs> it's like the social media golf. Yes. <laughs> social media golf. <laughs> can, I, can I start from where we are and get down to zero followers? That will be my challenge. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>